0: We are in the middle of a series on the strategy for spiritual warfare, which I was, I've been learning quite a lot, listening quite a lot to a lot of teachings on this, and one of the things I, I believe we need to really do is to have a real revelation and understanding of what warfare is about. And what is at stake, and what the Bible is saying about warfare. I'm not so sure, actually, for me, if I should continue on the warfare teaching Katisemba because the South African people, Katisemba, they want a holiday, you know. But Katisemba pause, you know. And I'm not so sure if you know. Even if that could be so, Barcelona, I think there's a lot we need to learn about the strategy for spiritual warfare. I'm saying that over the backdrop of the many fatalities or casualties that we've had, casualties of faith, people who have walked away from God during this time of lockdown, For me, it has made me to ask myself very serious questions about how we teach, how we train, how we disciple people, because if we really did what we ought to do, we really should not have the amount of casualties that we've had, even though there may not be that many. But personally, I'm extremely aggrieved over people who've walked away from God and walked to other belief systems. And when people come up and say, kinekele I'm pursuing such and such, eneki wara, wara, wara. You can fill in the wara, wara blanks there. And I'm thinking, maybe, we really have not trained and taught people as we should. Because when I look at how people are trained in other things, I think we fall short. I think we give people entry-level stuff. And I think we put the bar too low, such that when the going gets really tough, people who are shallow in the things of God will not be sustained. And this is where my change and difference in approach has come to say we've got to start digging into the scriptures. Not just in teaching, but we've got to lead people of God into experiencing these things and being rooted in the things of God. We've got to change the tone of what we're doing, Basalon, Because otherwise, we're going to have a major problem. This is the basis of the scripture that I'm talking about in 2 Corinthians 2. And I'm using verse 11. When Paul says, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. The background is that there was this young man in the church who was sinning that Paul had received a report from the elders in the church about the behavior of this young man, And in the first letter he wrote to the church in Corinth, he actually said to them in chapter 5 that they should put this young man on some form of discipline. And if he doesn't repent, they must excommunicate him, hand him over to the devil for the destruction of his flesh so that his soul should be saved on the day of salvation. Evidently, the elders did listen to Paul. However, when the young man mended his ways, instead of the leaders in church playing the role of restorers and understanding that God's approach is to be a restorative God, God's punishment is not meant to destroy us. When God the Bible says, admonishes us when God chastens us, the book of Hebrews says. He chastens us as those that he loves. And when we turn in our way, God will always receive us back. That's just the Bible way. You see, God is not a God who points at your wrong, and when you correct your ways and come back, then he throws his hands and says, what are you doing here? He will not only receive you, but he will totally erase everything wrong that you have done in the past. That's just the way God is, and that's the way God does things. And so Paul writes to the church, he says, listen, this young man has mended his ways. He has come back to the church, but instead of you receiving him, you are ostracizing him. He says, I warn you, if you don't take him back, this young man will totally be consumed by his sorrow. And we're going to have a problem, because in the first instance, he followed Satan, in doing what was wrong. But even when he has repented, the church is not receiving him back. And if you do that, Satan will have advantage over us. And we don't want Satan to outwit us in our, in our way because we are aware of the schemes of the devil. So Paul highlights this fact that Satan in the way he interacts with us, he is a one, one who will bring scheming, planning, strategy, he will always bring deception and all of these things and what we must do as god's children we must be aware of his tactics we mustn't be a people who are unaware of satan's tactics can i hear an amen Bazalan? so he writes to this church and says be aware of satan's tactics because he will outwit us if we are not wise he will take advantage over us. He will make sure that he frustrates us. And so he uses these three words, the word advantage. Let's say he can take advantage over us for we are not ignorant of his devices. The word, the word advantage means that Satan will outwit and trick us. It means to take advantage over somebody through sinister means and sneaky means. What Satan wants to do is to trick us. And Paul says we are not ignorant. That word ignorance means one who is ignorant because you lack certain facts. What it means there is that almost like somebody who makes mistakes and errors due to their lack of understanding. It gives a picture of an unlearned person who because of their lack of knowledge is prone to arrive at mistaken conclusions. Very often God's people or people come to mistaken conclusions about God because they don't know what the word of God says. They don't know what the scriptures say. Even when they're going through situations, sometimes they ascribe the attack they are receiving as the one that comes from God. And they don't realize it's not God who's attacking you, it's the devil who is attacking you. And so Paul says, I don't want you to be tricked. I don't want you to get to the wrong conclusion be ignorant of Satan's devices. The word device there is the word knows. It speaks of the mind or the intellect. In this context, he is talking about a mind that is scheming, calculating, conniving, a mind that is devious, shrewd, a mind that is sly or clever. So he says Satan is calculating. When he attacks you, he is calculating. He doesn't just come at you He kind of has studied you, he knows what you are, he knows how to deal with you, so he is very strategic. And so it brings me to the point that I make. The enemy doesn't really care how he accomplishes his evil plans. All he wants to do is to ruin your life. He is there doing his best to make sure you have a downfall in your life, in your spiritual life, in your marriage, in your health, in your business, in your family, in your career and he will use every tactic in the book. He will scheme, he will plan, he will try to trick you but Paul says don't worry, we are not ignorant of all of that. Once we can study the enemy, we can deal with the enemy because wars are not won on the basis of might but wars are won on the basis of strategy. Somebody say strategy. Tell your neighbor strategy. Strategy. So don't shut your eyes, therefore, and ignore that the devil wants to bring about your downfall by using tricks to trip you up. When the enemy hates you so much, and he is an enemy, he's an enemy who wants to take you out. Can I hear an amen? Amen. And so we sent Mazalana last week. There are strategies, four strategies that we want to talk about. The first four strategies in war that uh, uh, are engaged in war that we want to talk about. The first there was to declare war on your enemies. That's where we, what we talked about yesterday. What we call the polarity strategy. In other words, we are aware here that life is an endless battle and you cannot fight effectively until you identify your enemy. Satan is your enemy. You don't want to play his game. You don't want to be in his camp. You don't want to collaborate with him. You don't want to believe what he tells you you don't want to buy his lies because there is nothing that the devil will ever bring your way that is meant for your good so how we go to and satan don't think he's going to pat you on the back and give you a medal he is the devil he wants to kill he wants to steal he wants to destroy That's what he wants to do. There is nothing else that Satan has intentions for but to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And so it's a sad thing. When people sell their soul to the devil, they think because they have worked for him as a top agent, Satan will thank them and give them gratitude at the end of that. I read a book several years ago that was such an interesting book of this guy who really was outright saving the devil. I mean... No questions about it. He had gone into Satanism. All kinds of things was a, 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 a real agent of the devil. And then time came for him to die, which comes to all of us. And you know, Zalat, the time of dying is an interesting time. Because at the time of dying, then you get to know the truth. Right? doesn't matter who you are, right? You can't run away from dying. You can hide. You can hide. You can run. You can say, when time of dying comes, it has come. Even in, in, even in the hospital, they can try to resuscitate you. They can put all the machines. When time of dying has come, time of dying has come. Look at anybody say, don't be so scared. It's just the truth. Don't be so scared. It just, just happens to be the truth. And then this guy, the week he died, and this was the report reported by people who are not necessarily Christian people. But this guy, out of his own mouth, was talking about these evil forces... And evil powers that were attacking him. Choking him. Uh, screaming at him. Hatefully speaking to him. And they literally had his soul in bondage. In, in almost like in jail. And this guy knew through no uncertain means that he is going to hell. He knew. He knew. And what was worse was the, these evil powers... We're literally blocking him from understanding the gospel. You know, you know Paul in the book of uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, talks about how the God of this world has blinded the minds of those who believe not. You know, there's the blinding of the minds when Satan totally shuts the truth from you. It's almost like, Barcelona. When, when, when it's totally dark and, and when you're in total darkness, uh, there's nowhere where light comes in. You know, wherever there can be just a small opening for light to come, that small opening of light makes such a big difference. And that's what the gospel does. If the gospel can penetrate somebody's heart and somebody's mind, just a little ray, it can change everything about him. And this guy was saying these evil forces were literally shutting his mind off. If somebody tried to tell him the gospel, he would just blank out. He says, I didn't know what happened. I know that because I experienced that with one young man I was praying for in our church many years ago. I don't know what has happened to that young man. We were still at homemakers at the time. And I remember I counseled with this young man for months and months. I mean, of all the people I've prayed for in my life, this is the one case where I said I never had victory. I never had victory. I mean, I've I mean, I prayed for all kinds of people. And this young man, unfortunately, in where he grew up, Uh, in his family, when he was born, the family literally dedicated him to Satan. Literally, no questions. He told me about it. And, well, the family has got other things that I won't go into. But this young man, you know, you could see him. He'd be here in church. But you could see even if he's there, he's not there, if, if you understand what I mean. I mean, it's almost like there's another world that he's aware of. And his attention is somewhere else. This nice young man. I, I loved him so much. And, and then one day, after months and months of helping him, actually, years, really. I mean, at the time. And this particular year, I think it must have been, I had known him now for 10 years or 12 years. And one day I asked him, I said, and I don't understand. I just said, man, just, then he opened up to me. He said, you know, pastor, give me about Bishop then. He said, you know, when I'm in church, when you are preaching, I, I At the point, but there comes a time when there's a force that just starts blocking every word you are saying. And he says, and then all of a sudden it's just misty and it's kind of not, you know, it's almost like I can't hear. He says, it's even worse when you make an altar call. Something takes over me that I only come to myself after the altar call. It's like something is blocking me from responding. It's almost like something has drawn these curtains. For light not to come in. Because any ray, any small ray of light, it changes everything. Because that's what the gospel does. Once the light can penetrate, doesn't matter how small, it's a starting point. But once that light can penetrate, I'm telling you, the gospel changes everything. And, and he, he told me, and he said, you know, no matter what I try and do, you know, and, and I don't know what finally happened of, with that young man. I tried to follow him up. I don't know what happened. I prayed to God that God help him. But but and I said, but look, we can pray for you. And I remember the one time I prayed for him, and it took hours, and these spirits were talking through him. I mean, for hours. And and I got to know, you know, this young man had been dedicated. I mean, this young man had been dipped so hard into evil things. You know, when people do these things, Basalona, they don't see what they're doing. They don't see your attitude. You take children, Rabba Kenya didn't talk didn't yet I didn't And more and more and more, and their soul gets dipped deep, deeper and deeper and deeper, that they are so deep in it that even to come out of it, such a difficult thing. And I realized Satan is an enemy, even if you can give your soul. So this guy who was in hospital, finally the day he died. They report what he was cursing God. Cursing God. Loudly cursing God. Cursing God. Shouting and screaming that he's going to hell. And think about it. Satan had this guy as his number one agent. Satan is an enemy. And so, if we don't understand, Bazalina, that Satan is an enemy, if you're going to give Satan room in your life, if you're going to follow his lies, it's because when as a soldier, you don't understand. You don't understand the first point about warfare, the polarity strategy, which is you've got to declare war on your enemies. You've got to know, this is my enemy, and Motona is my enemy. There's never a day when they are thinking good about me. So how we could It means you don't understand as a soldier. Because the enemy, he is planning 24-7, he is strategizing, he is looking at a way. And you know what the enemy does? He looks for you when you are at your lowest form of alertness. He wants you when your defenses are low. Think about Simon Peter. Simon Peter, when you read about it, on the one hand, Jesus says, Who do men say that I am? Peter, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus is is excited, says, Yo, Simon, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father which is heaven, you are so blessed. And then thereafter, Jesus says, I'm going to the cross. Simon himself turns and says, Lord, not so. And Jesus turns and says, get behind me, Satan. How do you move? From one moment, from a moment of inspiration to a moment of demonization in a split second like that. Because if you are not aware of the strategies of Satan, that's what will happen to you. So you got to understand, Satan is my enemy. I'm not going to give him any place in my life. I'm not going to allow him to make me bitter. I'm not going to allow him to make me doubt the word of God. I'm not going to allow him to make me walk away from God. I'm not going to allow me to be lazy to pray. Lazy. Oh, come on now, don't look at me like that. Somebody say something. I'm not going to allow it. He is my enemy who is, and I'll show you in the next few lessons, who is planning and has a path that is laid out to bring about my demise. But thank God we are not ignorant of his devices. Can I hear an amen? The second strategy is what they call uh, the gorilla war of the mind strategy. The gorilla war of the mind strategy. What you learn as a soldier is You must not fight the past. Write it down. You must not fight the past. Most of the things that weigh us down, that bring misery in our lives, is things from our past. And what Satan wants is to consciously force you to think about the past, particularly your past mistakes and your past errors. So, if you're going to engage in warfare, and if you're not ignorant of Satan's devices, you must consciously force yourself not to allow the past to become your prison. What I did in the past must remain in the past. More so that when I came to the cross of Jesus Christ, the cross of Jesus Christ marked a beginning of a new life altogether. And when I'm in Christ, even, even when I sin, if I confess my sin, God is faithful. God is just to forgive me of my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I'm not going to allow my past. But there are many people who cannot ever move beyond their past mistakes. And this is what Paul was saying to this church in Corinth is, if you don't forgive this guy, If you keep on reminding him of what he has done, he will never be able to deal with his past. Yes, he has done wrong. We're not making light of that. Forgive him. Restore him to fellowship. Because if you don't, Satan's going to beat him over the head with his past. What is it called? Condemnation. Condemnation is when Satan reminds you of the days you failed, the things that you have done. He hangs it over your head. And any time you try to pray, he brings it up to say, who do you think you are? Do you think God's going to answer And unfortunately, sometimes we are surrounded by people who really love to remind us of our past. Look, if you are from the media here, but one of the things I know about media is that media never forgets the wrong that you did. Doesn't matter how much you write your ways. You know, even if they write a positive article about you, they'll start first by saying the former disgraced so and so. That's the way they start. Because to them, your past can never disappear. You are always framed with your past. You are always filtered through your past. You are always defined through your past. And this is a strategy of the devil. To always remind you and bring condemnation. Listen to this, Basalan. You must be ruthless on yourself. To not allow the devil to repeat this tired method. The gorilla wall method on your mind allows you it brings you to a point where you walk in the spirit of condemnation. When Romans 8 one says there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. <laughs> Satan brings condemnation. Why? Because he, he always wants to remind you of how you lost. You know, Bishop Ulmer made an illustration that I'll never forget. He said, you know, he, he used to play football. Now, like, You know football. It's not soccer. It's not the American football. Let's talk about football. Yeah, America. The people in the first service didn't know. I don't know why it's about American football. Why it's about American football? Now, American football is a very funny sport. To me, it's like a combination of soccer, uh, 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 wrestling, and rugby. I mean, it's 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 a funny sport. The first time I watched it, I saw people running everywhere. And it didn't make sense to me because the ball is there, they're running there. And I'm thinking, why? I mean ball again. You must run where the ball. And in every spot you chase the ball, or you ch- you you must run after the what you call no. Baba matter now I know in soccer you have space, you know, so that you are in a good space who you pass you a ball. But even then, space are in accordance to where the ball is. Maraca football. alo chase ball. And I thought Until Bishop Ulma explained, he said, no, 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 no. In football, American football, and I don't have the terminology for it, the the strategy is to gain ground, to go into your enemy's half, and to, to gain as much ground as possible to reach a certain point, because if you can enter into your enemy's, your opponent's territory, and gain a lot of ground, then you score the points. So, therefore... When you are playing, the goal is to try and prevent the other people from coming into your territory. So as a result, you are going to block them. It's not just about where the ball is. It's even worse Cabolo, because you don't want them to get the ball and by it's a touchdown. So he said, one of my coaches then said, look, you see that guy there of the opposite team? He's the one you are playing against. He's bigger than you, stronger than you, right? If you were to try and match him pound for pound, it's not going to work. He's the guy that's going to throw the ball to him. So this is what I want you to do, right? As that we play, right? Your goal should be to go and, and, and umu umu chase, all right? But hit him so hard, good, Hit him so hard so that it's so painful to him, right? Just well, also a ball or hard, or, or, or a ball. It's not about it. It's not. Your, don't don't worry. When I, just hit him so hard so that he feels the pain. Now, that's good because as we play the game, if they throw the ball to him, once he sees you coming, he remembers the pain you caused him. And because he remembers the pain you caused him, he starts fumbling. He can't get the ball. He can't plan right. He can't run right. And he loses not because you are stronger than him, but because you have a strategy to hit him hard and to remind him. And that's what the devil does. He hits you with a situation and anytime you try to make headway in your walk with God, he reminds you of it. He reminds you of it. And it's a strategy that he uses and the Bible says, we are we we who are in Christ, there is no condemnation for us but Solana, if you don't learn to understand that satan is the accuser of the brethren roman revelations 12:10, it says satan is the accuser of the brethren not what it says and he accuses them before god day and night anytime there's a sense of condemnation anytime you feel accused in your conscience anytime you feel like you have done wrong anytime you feel like you are not worth it even if you've done everything that is right you must know it comes from the devil if you are waiting to feel worthy before you believe what God has said, then the devil has got you. If you are waiting to allow your emotions to step up to the level where you are feeling good before you can believe that greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world, then the strategy of the devil is working against you. But Satan uses condemnation. Condemnation is a feeling of guilt and shame over the past wrongs. I'm recalling, Bazalana right now as I'm speaking, one of our church members who said, told me a story I never will forget. I was preaching in another church and I've got a message that I do entitled Condemnation, the Grave of Destiny. It's a question mark. And in this sermon, I explore this topic of condemnation. And talk about how so many people have buried their destinies because of the wrongs they've done. This lady, her story is that she followed Christ as a young person, really lived right, preserved herself, got married. Unfortunately, the marriage didn't work. The husband was a player, left her with two kids Divorced her, walked away from her. And here she is raising their two kids. And she's asking herself, God, when I had lived right, when I'd done my best to serve you, what have I done to deserve this? That this man comes and does this to me. And worst of all, he leaves me. And so she says, I was in church that Sunday, this particular church, feeling down, feeling condemned, Feeling confused, and there you came and preached this sermon, it was like God has sent you just for me. And that day, that condemnation she had carried. you see some of you, you have not recovered from your mistakes you 've not recovered you 've not recovered from your wrongs. and let me tell you what happens if Satan can continually remind you and condemn you, got the wrong you did, even if you've tried to correct, even if you've tried to do right, he will always have a weak spot in your life. Because anytime you try to move forward, he will be just like that football player, remind you. And anytime you see things getting bad, you are not going to have the resistance to stand your ground and move on anyhow. Some of you, you don't want to marry again because you had a bad experience. You don't want to go into business ventures because you had a bad experience. You don't want to run a church because you've had a bad experience. Your bad experience has forced you to look at everybody through the same glass. You are one of those who says, you can't trust anybody. Oh, you are one of those who says, I'm a daughter, is in or one of those who say our oh, women are cheats simply because you've had one or two bad experiences. That's exactly what the devil wants. That's exactly what he wants. He wants to so hit you so hard that you don't recover from that. Cause so much pain that you don't recover from that. Be hurt so much. There are people who have walked away from God because they were hurt by somebody in church. And they walked away from God. They walked away from Jesus who died for them on the cross. They walked away from the Savior who died for them on the cross. Because that's what Satan wants. That's his plan. He wants to hit you so hard. And condemnation becomes a problem. Because even when you pray, if you come before God and you don't have any confidence in your heart, you are not sure if your prayers will work. He says here, 1 John 5:14, this is the confidence that we have in approaching God. If we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Verse 15 says, if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of Him, We can only approach God with confidence. It's hard to pray effectively when you have a heart that's condemning you. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not talking about just do whatever you like and don't feel anything. That's not what I mean. We must live right. But if you miss it, and if you ask God to forgive you, God will forgive you. I said God will forgive you. I said God will forgive you. Not only will God forgive you, he will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. From all unrighteousness. You know, years ago as a young pastor, it used to hit me when people said, ah, but you don't go crazy? Ah. Did what what? They are what what? They are thieves. They are, they are this. They, they are gay. Nah, nah, nah. They are whatever. And I used to be so defensive. One day, I'm praying, God said, hey, Musa, whoa. Does God ever talk to you like that? Does he say his whoa to you? No, he does. (laughs) He said, what what do you think the church is? What, What do you think salvation is? What do you think my mission is? Didn't I say that the Son of Man has come to seek, to seek, to look for, to seek, to seek and to save that is lost. Isn't it that the Son of Man and he picks up the filthiest of the filthiest The most immoral The most broken The most discouraged people The most dysfunctional people Isn't that what the, Oh, Don't look at us And that's what the gospel is about at the core we are a people who were broken, lost, dysfunctional. God was to. Jesus. And here's the good news, ever since he found us, we stopped being lost, dysfunctional. Here we are today. Don't think when you see us walking the way we are walking, this is the way we were born. We were not born like this. We was changed, to chain, so and he transformed us and made us a different people. We must learn to understand the fullness of the message of salvation. To understand that our sins have been forgiven and they have been thrown into the sea of forgetfulness. And we must not walk in condemnation. Yes, some of our decisions, we have the fruit of them. We have to live with the results of our foolish decisions, that's fine. It's okay. Mother, God will still see us through that anyhow. And so we have to understand that to not let the enemy have advantage over us. Don't allow him to use that tactic on you. That tactic of the gorilla war of mind where he chains you to the past. The third tactic that I'm going to close with is the tactic called the counterbalance strategy. Write it down, then tell your neighbor, I see a fundala. <laughs> The counterbalance strategy. This is how the strategy goes. In the midst of the turmoil of events, don't lose the presence of mind. I'll explain to you. In the midst of the turmoil, when the heat is high, And when the battle is raging, don't lose your presence of mind. Now, one of the things that soldiers are trained in, I never went to military into a training, but I've got friends and I've got families that have been there, is that among the many things they teach you is how to listen to the voice of the general. I mean, they literally drill that into your mind to listen to the voice of the general. I mean, when, when, when you are first new conscripts, when you are still coming and you are still being trained, you are, you are still very untrained. Very untrained. So they have to train you to know how to listen to the voice of the general. Why? Because at the height of war, when you are at the battlefront, you got to listen to what the general says no matter how you feel. No matter how things look, When bombs are blowing up everywhere and there's gunshots everywhere and people are dying left, right, and center, you've got to still be able to listen to what the general tells you and do what he says in spite of how you feel. (laughs) So they teach you, when things are bad, don't lose perspective. Learn to do what your general tells you even if it doesn't seem like the best decision because, by the way, your general knows more than you. (laughs) This is an important thing because in the heat of the battle, the mind tends to lose its balance. So it's vital to keep your presence of mind, maintaining your Mental powers, whatever the circumstances. Therefore, the goal is to make your mind tougher. How do they do that? By exposing you to training and by exposing you to adversity. To bring you to a point where you can learn to detach yourself from the chaos of the battlefield. Now, you know, this is such an important thing. One of the things Satan uses to come against us is fear. He brings fear your way. You've prayed, he makes you be afraid that God hasn't heard your prayer. Be afraid that utoshua, be afraid. So when, when fear comes, people lose perspective. I mean, we've had people who stop stopped praying to God because they, they, they were, fear was put in them. If you don't do such and such, you're going to die. So they leave God and they go somewhere else to do such and such. Because of fear. Because of fear. So Satan uses fear in your life and confusion in your life. That at the height of the battle, you become so confused and you, 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 you don't do the right thing. Let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. You know, if you, if you watch some of these uh, 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 documentaries about the, the wild, you know, the, on, on, on animals out, in, 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 out in, the, in the wild. One of the things you know that lions do when they are stalking their prey is sometimes they come sort of camp somewhere around where the waterhole is where all the animals come and drink. You know, particularly the water bugs, they like the bugs because, you know, the water bug, it's, by definition, it likes water. <laughs> so it's got to come to the water. And so, and you'll know the animals, when they come and drink at the watering hole, they don't stick their heads there. Mm-mm. They drink diashava because they to one minute of being not focusing. You're going to be somebody's breakfast, somebody's lunch, and somebody's dinner. Anyone knows what I'm talking about? So you can see the animals, let's say, even when I drink, I must not let my passion dilute the reality of the warfare I'm in 24-7, 365 and a quarter days. But be that as it may, there are some of those animals that come and drink, and then they say then the lion will watch, and then they'll see, he has his head more in the water than he has his attention on the circumstances around. And so what the, what the lion will do, will roar. So when the lion roars, is there's something about the roar of a lion that it gets reflected by the waters. And once the roar of the lion gets reflected by the waters, the animal is thrown into panic because uh, the, 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 the water is able to create a surround system of the sound. So you hear the, you hear, you hear the roar in a surround digital system. So you you can't tell where the roar is coming from. The roar is everywhere. So in an attempt to escape, it tends to run. And by doing so, it runs right into the path of the lion. And so in other words, when the roar came, the, 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 the prey lost its presence of mind. And because of fear, it didn't know where it was. And the decision that it made in the midst of fear led to its demise. In the same way, when you see Christian people, when things are hard and it looks like their prayers are not working, it looks like God's not coming through, they've lost their job, they have lost something. In the midst of that, they make decisions in the midst of a temporal situation that affects their permanent life. Why? They lose the presence of mind. They lose the presence of mind. So Paul comes and writes, he says God has not given us a spirit of fear. But a spirit of power, a spirit of love, a spirit of a sound mind. Satan uses fear and confusion. After Jairus had come to Jesus and asked Jesus to come and pray for his daughter, just when Jesus was doing what Jairus had asked just when it looked like his prayers are working, just like, like some of you are saying, you are, you, are, you, are, you are starting to collect the hanging fruit. It worked just like they told me in church. They said, do this, it will work. It's like the initial evidence is this is working. Just when it was working, bad news come. And the words from his house is, don't trouble the master anymore. Watch, your daughter is dead. You must go and read it. You must go and read it. I won't won't read it, but in Luke chapter 8, verse 50, I love it. See what Jesus says to Jairus at that time, we can learn from. What does Jesus say? Hearing this, what did Jesus When Jesus heard what they said to Jairus, read with me. What, What did Jesus say? Read it out loud. What did Jesus say? See, read it again. Don't be afraid. Read it again. Say it out loud. Shout, let me hear you. Watch. Jesus didn't say, pray again. Jesus didn't say fast. Jesus didn't say, do spiritual warfare. What did Jesus say? Come on, what did Jesus say? Jesus is saying that the lion is roaring. You don't know where you are. You are disoriented. You are here in this row. Instead of just running, stand still for a while. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. He says what? Let's read it again. He says, what did Jesus says? Don't be afraid. Do what? And what will happen? And what will happen? Jesus didn't say she hasn't died. Jesus didn't say the bad news is not there. Jesus didn't say the situation has not changed. He said, yes, the situation has changed. Yes, you have been retrenched. Yes, they have chased you away. Yes, things have turned for the worse, but don't be afraid. Don't lose your presence of mind. Don't be afraid. Just stand on what you asked me to do. Stand on what you have been believing for. Stand on the same thing that you said before you heard this bad news. Only believe. Only believe. He didn't say pray. He didn't say fast. He says just believe. Just stand on what you started on. Ah, come on. Am I talking to somebody in the house? Don't don't be afraid because things are the way they are. Only believe. Only believe. Only believe. Only believe. What Jesus is saying is, your enemy will instill fear by challenging the promises of God. And if you become afraid... Even when the situation is not as bad, you will behave in a way that will cost you your life. Let me give you an example as I close. You know, I, I grew up loving to watch animals, you know, and next door to my house, in the backyard, they had a, uh, you know, we had big backyards called Rockville, and in those days, you know, we'd see the, the mice running freely at a house at their head next door. It wasn't like the ones you have now. The ones you have now... That are a jumbo size. I mean, when, <laughs> when, 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 a, when a cat sees them, the cat says no big lala. <laughs> when mice were still mice and cats were cats. And there was this cat that caught this mouse. Caught next door, you know. Just caught the mouse. And I don't know why cats do this, Bazalan. I don't know. You know, there, there was a car in a... And the mice used to... So this cat caught this mouse, you know. And I don't know why cats are so ruthless and brutal. They don't just eat right away.
1: I mean, you know you're going to
0: eat the brother. I mean, really, I mean, really, you know. Why don't you eat the guy? No, but it, it just takes the mouse and starts playing, playing. And then puts it down. And you see the mouse fear. And then the cat would get distracted. And it would do other things. And I'm on the other side of the fence. I'm, go- I'm saying to the mouse, Baleha! Shmaleha. Shmaleha. No. Fear. (laughs) And then the cat would remember and come back and grab it and play around, play around. Finally, this cat, for some reason, it put the mouse down. And as it was distracted, the mouse went around the corner of the house. And I'm watching this. And so the cat comes back from dis- being distracted and it looks around and the mouse is not there. And I'm saying to the mouse, <laughs> the mouse standing here, just turned the corner, just fear, fear, I'm in mean, fear, I will just look. I said, He doesn't know where you are. Finally, I don't know how the cat figured it out. The cat then turned and found the, around the corner. Then the cat decided, yo, my meal is going to disappear, so I just caught him a muja once. <laughs> and I'm standing here thinking, this guy could have been saved just a few seconds ago if he hadn't allowed fear. But because of fear, he fell prey. How many of God's people fall prey because of fear? When the battle is at its highest, the promises of God are still true. Don't walk away from God because you are in a season where it doesn't make sense what you're going through. Let God be true. And every man a liar. If you've ever watched some of these movies and you hear the guns being shot and the soldiers are fighting and 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 the general starts coming and he, he calls on his soldiers and you see one of the soldiers coming and saying, Sir! And says, says, Hey, you must do this and do, 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 do. and he doesn't even ask just says, says, says yes, sir. yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. This man has been trained to listen to the general, no matter the confusion. May we be trained to listen to the general of our soul, Jesus Christ. That in the midst of the trials, when it says only believe, we must say yes, sir. When it says pray without ceasing, we must say yes, sir. When it says read the word, we must say yes, sir. Even when it doesn't make sense, yes, sir. Because you, general, you know more about the outcome of this than I do. And because I'm a trained soldier, I will not lose the presence of mind. Yes, sir. That's why some of us during this time, we didn't stop praying. We didn't stop believing. We prayed even if it didn't feel right to pray. We've prayed even when it didn't feel like praying. I led the morning prayer even when my body was telling me not to do it. I led the morning prayer even if I was yawning. Even if my eyes were red. Even if my body was aching. I understand that I'm not going to lose the presence of mind. There's no weapon formed against me that will prosper. There's no tongue that will rise for me. In the name of Jesus, I don't only believe God when things are good. I don't only believe God when things are understand. I still believe God even in the darkest of days. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We will not lose the presence of mind. And if you can be one of those soldiers in the kingdom, that at the height of war, you don't forget what your master told you. And you don't allow the roar of the moment to make you lose perspective. Remember, we are not involved in a battle. We are involved in a warfare certain battles may be difficult Mara, that battle is going to pass and another battle will come and you are going to win more battles and at the end of it the Bible says we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ and it's up to us Basil, Lord, to make that stance for Jesus let's stand on our feet and give the Lord a big hand of praise because he deserves it everybody give the Lord a big hand of praise come on give the Lord a big hand of praise he deserves it Come on, if he deserves this, give him a hand of praise. You see, you're not clapping like soldiers. You see, you're not even clapping like soldiers. You're not making a noise like soldiers. Somebody give the Lord a hand of praise. Jesus, the captain of our salvation. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Raise your hands to him. Say with me, Heavenly Father, I'm your child. Lord Jesus you are my savior you are my lord you are the captain of my salvation the ruler of my soul as a soldier I will listen to your instructions I will not allow myself to lose the presence of mind but I will listen to your instructions no amount of condemnation will hold me back. No amount of fear will make me do irrational things. I will stand on your word. I will believe your word. I will speak your word. I will act your word. In Jesus name. Begin to pray in the Holy Ghost right where you stand with your hands raised to the Lord. Pray in the Holy Ghost with your hands raised to the Lord. Hallelujah. Pray like a soldier, not like somebody who's tired, who's half hearted. Pray like a soldier. That energy, that strength of a soldier. Sara Mahabokas, Mange Bresketeradessia Bahalamai, Mangembras, the Gelaboria Kurdehelebaya, Amanemenogosikadotich, Breker de Grekala Mangingle Galahaleze, Agrekas Katorodea. Pray in the name of Jesus. Sena mule Jesus, manga boko redesia doskedara. Pray in the name of Jesus. Baba mama 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 baba mama 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 kata brasa karada baba baba.